There is a library that exists at the nexus where all other universes collide. Inevitably, things wind up there by mistake. Books, artifacts, people. This is the place where things from all universes end up when they get lost. This is the Eternity Archives. Welcome to the Attorney Archives, an actual play podcast where once a year we do weird Christmas shit. And this is that episode. Before we get too much into that, though, my name is Bappy. My pronouns are they, them. And I play Real Day Jaquel, who is now just a very sad, more than usual baby tiefling. And today I've locked Dorka and Ziva in the elf hole. And instead, I will be recording with Ember today as my co-host. Why don't you introduce yourself, friend not in the hole? Did you have to call it the elf hole? Yeah, I mean, either that or like mm, mm, I, Santa hole, reindeer hole. I feel like you didn't. Like you I, did, mm, but you didn't yeah. have to. I did. I think I did. Is that why really? they weren't at elf practice? Yeah. Yeah, it's good to reference memes from like a year or two ago or whenever that was. Time isn't real. Anyway, hello, everybody. I am back from the henshin hole that Bappy had previously locked me in. In case you didn't listen to that arc and you have no idea who I am, then you should go back and listen to it. But if you don't want to do that between now and now, now, then <laughs> hello, I'm Ember. My pronouns are she, they, and I play Hope, who is the planar traveling punchy android girl who has joined the library as a contractor and then found herself stuck there. So she's trying to not <laughs> do that. We'll You're a contractor? There. Yeah. I guess that's a lot like regular contract work, too. <laughs> yeah. Except Damn. they generally don't get stuck there. They often get released at inopportune moments, even. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's fair. Oh, capitalism. Ah, uh, capitalism. Speaking of capitalism for our Christmas episode, as you might have noticed on your feed, this is a Tea Time episode. And like last year, we're going to be playing a game, but not some janky game that I frenziedly threw together while crying over my keyboard late into the night. This is an actual game a person put together. We're going to be playing Stand Up by Elena Murphy, which is inspired by the Persona games, especially 4 and 5. Stand Up uses the belonging outside belonging system, which revolves around the concept of no dice and no masters, meaning the game system does not use dice to resolve issues and they're played GMless. However, for the sake of brevity, we're actually not going to have a pre and post game discussion or go into explaining the rules, which is different and might seem scary at first. I'm scared. I'm very scared. I know, right? We don't even know what we're doing. Hold me. I'm just kidding. We we did read the rules. But luckily, you we've actually played. Rules. Oh, okay. Break. Break. No, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Let's <laughs> no, just go. Okay. Just roll it. We'll, uh, we'll do it right. live. All right. Okay, sounds good. All right, cool. Everything live is done perfectly always. And Dorka and Ziva aren't here. They're stuck in the elf hole, and this whole thing just goes to shit, huh? Uh, yeah, pretty much. This is why I should not 
be allowed to be the adult. Anyway, so, okay, luckily, we've actually played a game previously that's very similar rules-wise to Stand Up, and that game is Henshin. If you remember, Henshin revolved around the concept of gaining and using tokens, where weak moves gave you a token, and strong moves used a token. And this game is essentially the same in the basic construct of the rules. If you haven't listened to our Henshin arc, though, and you're interested in doing so, you can check out episode 21, you know, as we mentioned, between now and now, or you don't have to, I guess. It's a pretty straightforward game. Before we get into play, I just wanted to give a quick content warning. For those that are not familiar, the Persona series consists of M-rated games, and they usually deal a lot with like systemic issues, like abusing power and how we or the characters in that fight back against that. And as such, they usually touch on issues like abuse, manipulation, exploitation, and power imbalance, which can be touchy subjects for folks. And while we haven't played yet, and we don't know exactly where this will go, I did want to give folks a heads up because it's just polite. It's just the courteous thing to do. So without further ado, let us jump in. Is that us falling into the library? Like metaphorically? Yeah, that's the library hole. (laughs) (laughs) We have too many holes. Ah! We got to start getting rid of some of these. Oh no, we got to bury up some holes. Okay. All right. Serious. It's not been many days after Rail's return from the dark library with Linda and Zen, and so the events of the previous mission still weigh heavily on their mind, especially the words etched into their journal, which presumably came from Dark Linda. Honestly, sounded a bit like a threat, but who knows? That's kind of the magic of the weird, mysterious, sexy mommy. They've definitely spent the past few days moping, probably laying in bed, and Dumpling has to, like, jump on them, just like up and down to sort of get them to move and make sure they're still alive and probably bring them like orange juice and water and plain white bread to eat Uh, yes the delicacies of the library yeah it's just uh gourmet depression food (laughs) (laughs) actually i think rather than the dumpling doing that i think hope maybe has been doing that she's had some time off as well and has not gone through nearly as traumatic an experience as Ril has, <laughs> at least within the past couple of weeks. So whenever Ril gets back and, and is looking really just kind of down in the dumps, Hope's going to take it upon herself to try and help them out. You know, bring them yeah. food and, and make sure they're doing okay. But beyond that, she's really not sure how to do that. You know, like combat injuries and stuff she can fix, but it's a little bit harder to deal with something like this when it's something that mildly inspirational speech can't quite paper over yeah unfortunately yeah I, that's that's an interesting point to bring up because i was thinking you know i don't know what zen and linda would be doing because their humans are not here to inform me otherwise but i know if zen and linda tried real would be ignoring them real would be like i don't really want to talk to you guys i guess with hope huh you know i think if hope like knocked on their door i think dumpling would just like let them in and of course, Ro would be doing that thing where they're facing the door and they don't see who it is. They just assume it's probably Linda or Zen and just be like, go away, please, you know. And then, of course, when it turns out to be Hope, they're probably reluctant. They're probably like, oh, I did not expect this. Hi. Most people um, generally do not. What? What does that mean? Well, most people don't expect me to be a visitor, I mean. Uh, they'd probably just be like, it, is there something I can... uh?" Uh, help you with i um i bought you some some food i noticed you haven't really been around the dining cafeteria lately and i just wanted to make sure that you were eating 
uh, yeah, I mean, I've been, I've been eating. They just, eyes glance down at this, like, plate of, like, half-eaten toast that just, like, been nibbled on. Well, I brought you some, um, chicken. They had, they had chicken today. And I thought, you know, it's, it's something, at least. They had chickens where I came from, so I was, I was happy to kind of recognize that there on the menu. What's a chicken? It's like a feathered bird. It's kind of small. It's, it's pretty tasty. Uh, yeah, okay, sure. Um, thanks. Uh, she'll, she'll step in and kind of set it down on the bedside dresser that is okay. there now. I'm deciding it's there, so she has some place to put it down. <laughs> so she's going to kind of put it down and then just stand there for a minute because she's not really sure what to do here. Like, obviously, she wants to try and help, but she doesn't really know how to how to do that. And it kind of becomes apparent to her at this point that, you know, while she would consider herself friends with, with people like Rill and Linda and Zen, she doesn't really know them on that personal of a level. So she's just going to kind of stand there for a minute and then be like, if, uh, if there's there's anything I can, I can do to help or something you want to talk about, just, you know, you can, you can let me know. Yeah, thanks. Um, I mean, I appreciate it. I just... You don't. You don't have to do anything. You can just kind of. I mean, you can take a seat wherever. If you just want to like hang out, I guess that'd be cool. I guess. Um, but you know, no, no pressure or anything. She sort of looks around the room and looks at one of the chairs, which has a bunch of clothes piled on it, and then looks at another chair, which also has a bunch of clothes piled on it. <laughs> Dumpling scampers over to one of the chairs and just like pushes all the shit onto the floor, <laughs> and it's just like. Just gestures at the now free chair. Dumpling's a very nuanced character. They can do a lot of things, so you know. Here in the Eternity Archives, we make sure to give our random pet animal companions the the sort of character that they deserve. Yeah, exactly. Dumpling is the most important character on the show. <laughs> See, you say that, but you know, in like three arcs, that's going to come back to bite you because it's going to be true. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> yeah, you made a mistake now. Yeah. I think Hope's going to kind of sit down awkwardly and then try and figure out what to say, but nothing's really coming to mind. Yeah, and I think that's okay. Like, I think they're both kind of awkward people who are sort of lonely. So even if they just sort of sit in silence together, it's sort of like that weird comforting silence where you're just hanging out with another person who probably has like depression or something. Just kind of there. Yeah. I do think that after a few minutes, both of them will be saved from any potential awkwardness, however, as the journals vibrate. Yeah. I think Rill is like staring down at this chicken. What even is this? They just look up at the ceiling and they're just like, God damn it. I really don't want... Fuck. All right. And so they look at their journal and they both open up their journals and what they see is a sketch of kind of a generic looking human man who's maybe posing very charismatically like one hand on his hip and the other hand gesturing and for the the objective says cease the winter king's carols oh that's good yeah it's very seasonal i like it yeah (laughs) and rill's just like uh what what does that mean like some guys just singing holiday songs and it's like annoying or something like this dude I suppose so. Hope is sitting there looking at her own journal. Where she pulled it out of exactly is unclear because it was not (laughs) visible on her person. One of her holes. No. (laughs) No. Her journal hole. (laughs) No. 
<laughs> all right. Okay. All right. You're the worst. Real kind of takes a page and flips it back and forth and it's just like, uh, there's no like contact or anything. It's just a picture of this dude. And I mean, usually there's more like this is pretty thin pickings. Uh, well, no, I mean, like the last time there wasn't even like anything. They just dropped us in like, n- never mind. Yeah, I guess it's you and me and, and probably Linda or, or Zen, I guess. Uh, um, are you going to be okay? Is that, is that fine? I don't know if I have a choice. You know, we just take those feelings and we just shove them in a hole and we just pat some dirt over it. The emotion hole. I really do not like the number of holes that we're adding to this podcast in this episode. <laughs> the hole in day one shot! Oh, oh, that's going to be the title, isn't it? Oh, no. Oh, I'm so mad at you now. Listenership dips harshly. <laughs> yeah, so Rail kind of gets up and it's just like shrugs and just, uh, I guess they put on shoes. You need shoes, right? Yeah, they need shoes. They just slip on some crocs and <laughs> fucking shuffle over to the book drop hope is already generally dressed for these kinds of things i mean she's usually in pretty in pretty casual clothes anyway so scoots on over with real to the book drop and hopes that she can <laughs> try and figure out something better to say when they get there especially if zen and linda are there because she doesn't obviously know the details but it's kind of easy to see that something has happened in the interval yeah I think Dumpling actually, like, scrambles up on top of Hope and is just wordlessly trying to communicate with her, just, like, patting her on the shoulder and then patting her on the cheek and then pointing at Rail and then pointing at her and then patting her on the cheek again and then just, like, a a gentle, gentle hair pet on her. What that means is up to Hope's uh, (laughs) discernment, but, yeah. So they get to the book drop and... Same same as always, a couple people milling about, different archivists. As they wait several more minutes, no one else shows up. And Rill's just like, um, I, I guess does that mean it's just us? Like, I, I suppose so. Is there no anchor? And at that point, Dumpling hops off her shoulder and scrambles onto whatever the anchor armchair is. I don't think we've ever actually defined if there's like some kind of table or console or something they're operating on. But whatever it is, wherever the anchor usually sits, Dumpling proudly takes the reins? Question mark? And Rill's just like, okay. Hope kind of leans over and whispers to Rill like, is is this legal? Is this a thing? I, I mean, I mean, Dumpling did pull us back out the last time we were on a mission, so I guess so. Oh. This should be fine, right? I mean, the anchor usually can't communicate to us much shit anyway. Like, they're usually as in the dark about it as we are and i you know if it's dumpling who can't verbally speak it's basically the same it's about the same right i suppose so then yeah i guess i suppose it's i mean i'm, I'm sure there are worse anchors that we could have had so i'm, yeah, I'm fine probably. with this yeah well, all right um, cool hope's gonna kind of you know check herself and, and tighten up her gloves and then just kind of nod at real whenever she's ready yeah real just shrugs and then just shuffles on over into the book drop and just like planks forward and just drops in just like (laughs) dives in head first (laughs) hope gives a small worried sigh but then jumps in afterwards yeah you hear a little encouraging chitter behind you as dumpling says goodbye hope will flash dumpling a thumbs up (laughs) 
We tumble into the book drop, the unending, ever-expanding starlit void, swallowing you whole, throwing you around dimensions as you're unmade and remade, and in the blink of an eye, you're back on your feet. We're in an ornate, spacious hallway, the walls decorated with multicolored string lights and lines of garland adorned with pine cones. Everywhere you look, there's red and green accents, and wherever this location is, it's big. The hallway goes on forever, with large doorway openings occasionally spaced out alongside the walls. Finally, and most obviously, you notice all the walls are completely made of ice. What is Hope's kind of perception of this? Hope has experience with a number of cultures and worlds having things like, you know, different festivals. But the funny thing is, all of those festivals tend to have different, like, markers and meanings. So, you know, you can't really be sure that one of them means the same as any one of the other ones. But she does realize that it's cold. She's not exactly sure about that. So when she kind of brings her hands up to rub together, she notices that... No longer does she have a magical metal engraved tree branch for one of them. She takes the moment to look at herself and realizes that she's more or less as she looked before she got any of the cybernetic modifications, or at least as she was told she looked, looking more or less like a complete normal human being. And that's kind of a start for her because it's been a while since that's happened to her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Rills just kind of, they look down at their hands and they run their fingers through their hair and they just like let out another sigh they're just like god damn it i don't want to be a human again i fucking hate being a human it's just weird it feels weird there are a good number of humans in all the worlds that we've been to it seems and i'm not exactly sure why that is yeah it it seems kind of fucked up right like why is it always humans i don't know yeah i mean admittedly i myself am sort of human, but I feel like I lost that designation around the time I had one of my arms replaced with a tree branch. I mean, you know, I think that's just up to the person. Says There's limb replacements and stuff like that, but you sound like you've lived a long and crazy life. It's been quite one, yes. Yeah. I can definitely say that. Yeah. Um, I guess... Fuck, it's cold in here. Right. Yeah, like, real looks down, they're probably wearing kind of summery clothes, like a short sleeve hoodie and, like, shorts and maybe they're still wearing their crocs <laughs> and there's like what the fuck why okay usually we're pretty appropriately dressed for where we land but i guess the library says fuck you you know seems like what it's kind of been doing lately maybe it messed up i don't know something seems weird about this as well this doesn't quite seem like i'm not sure yeah where on earth would an ice castle be. The ice has elaborate stonework carved in, and there's even like little, is that blue fire torches on the walls? Uh, okay, that's actually kind of sick. Yeah, well, I suppose that's neat. We should get moving. Yeah. As if in response to that, noises start sounding from, from one of the ways down the corridor, and Hope kind of glances down Poof that way. noises. Oh, hoof noises. Oh, even better. Hope kind of glances down that way and then looks over at Rill and then gets behind them, between them and the source of the noises and starts kind of ushering them along in an obvious, let's let's get going, let's get moving. All right. What are the chances that those are friendly footsteps and that we haven't accidentally broken into uh, some kind of royalty castle who is hostile? Um, no? No chances? Well, there is generally always some chance, but in occasions like these, I do not believe it is a high one. Let's, yeah. we should get yeah. moving. All right. Yeah, let's go. I just like to imagine the flopping of their crocs as they, <laughs> as they walk through this ice castle. So I think they head down 
the corridor sort of the opposite way of the noises and they, they you know they turn a corner and for whatever reason this thing just seems so maze-like and they finally burst out into a clearing into a larger room alongside this garland and pine cones and green and red and probably white lights and the blue fire torches there's also really grand paintings kind of like classical style paintings of one the guy in the journal and also a younger woman who looks similar to him in his features, maybe like his daughter or something like that. And there's just like different kinds of portraits just like spaced out every so often down the hallways as they navigate this area. And I think in this big open room, there's even like a giant portrait of just this guy. Maybe he's wearing like an ice crown or something. I would assume the frame of this giant portrait is something elaborate and completely impractical like diamond maybe just like a giant frame made of diamonds so it's shining along with all the ice walls and everything else yeah i mean a lot of stuff in here is made out of ice even the furniture the decorations you know maybe not the rugs themselves but Mm -hmm. otherwise you've got tables and, and chandeliers and the blue fire torches and with the sconces and everything and i think this guy he's wearing like a red suit like a red and white suit kind of like a tailored suit but it's colored like a santa claus suit almost (laughs) does he have a big like bushy beard like santa or is he just does he look more like some kind of smarmy person who is i can't believe i'm saying this phrase but it fits appropriating santa culture (laughs) i think he's appropriating santa culture okay i can go with that like i hate that phrase but at the same time it's definitely what i had in mind Uh, phrases we hate elf hole and appropriating santa culture Start a list. We'll bring it up for next year's year's holiday special. Oh, God. All right. Okay, keep going. Keep going. It's too late. Okay. (laughs) So I think they get in this room and and Hope kind of takes a moment to get stock of the situation because she doesn't know where they are. And this place is very weird and things are cold and there's a giant statue of a person in a Santa colored suit or not a statue. Actually, no. No, there is a statue. There's There's probably statues too. Yeah. Yeah, There's statues in the, (laughs) but the focus piece is definitely the giant, like ceiling to floor portrait. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. And I think Hope kind of gets in here and starts looking around at all the other exits as soon as she's done going aghast over this this giant portrait of this Santa appropriator. <laughs> His crimes appropriating Christmas. <laughs> It's okay. That's what Christmas deserves. (laughs) And they start hearing more of those hooves coming up from behind them and then from another one of the doors as well, thinking, honestly, just they need to get out of here still. She's going to grab Will's arm and kind of guide down another hallway, navigate it so that Rill is in front because Hope, of course, knows that she can run faster than Rill and then just kind of keep on going and I think just get them to end up, you know, they sort of wind their way through and then emerge out into, I would say, honestly, the front of the castle. Hope's got a pretty good sense of instinctive direction. And I think that might even take place here. Mm-hmm. Get them out in front so they can turn around and see how high this thing goes. And not only is it, I think, tall, I think it's got spires coming out from all sorts of weird directions. And it's got parapets and walls just going at odd angles. And it kind of takes Hope a moment to sort of get it to visually register in her mind just how weird and Christmas eldritch this thing looks. Yeah, Rill's just like, God, why are why why do so many evil and bad places do this kind of nonsense bullshit just like gesturing to the out of place like wacky stairs and upside down layout of this place they're just like i why why can't why can't they just have a nice (laughs) a nice normal castle huh i suppose it's something about the ostentatiousness i don't know i can't say (sighs) 
Sorry. Yeah. Let's All right. keep going. They're coming right. quickly. Yeah. She's going to guide them across to the moat, and there's a drawbridge across of it with kind of ropes at either end. It's one of those bisects in the middle thing. Mm-hmm. Like a regular drawbridge across a, a river. And I think as they start getting there, as both of them start getting to it, there's a huge amount of the security forces for this place start pouring out of the entrances from strange angles. As we kind of navigated this castle, this crazy ice castle, the hoves sound echoed and clacked against the ice flooring and the rugs sometimes dampened it slightly but the further we got the closer we got to the entrance of this drawbridge more and more hoof noises escalated and now that we're at this drawbridge we see a huge herd of dozens of reindeers wearing sunglasses like shades like terminator shades and they all have a mall cop outfit on and at first they're all on all fours but as they slow to a stop they stand up onto their hind legs and they pull up their weapons some of them have batons and others of them have tasers and some are even holding rifles hope sees this happen and turns to Rill and nods her head at what looks like the drawbridge mechanism that's over on the other side of the castle across the moat, which seems counterintuitive, but don't worry, we'll get to that. <laughs> and sort of nods over there and just tells Rill, just just go, go, go across, get the bridge up. I'll follow along. Go ahead. I'll hold them off. Don't worry about it. Okay, but those reindeers have guns uh, and tasers know. and but what the fuck? We don't have time to talk about this. Uh, go. Uh, okay. Okay, yeah, I... You're gonna be following me, right? Like, I'm not, like... You're not just gonna, like, die or whatever, because I cannot handle that shit right it's now. It's fine. I've been in worse situations, and I've gotten out of those just fine. It's fine. Just just go. Okay. Just get it done. All right. Okay, all right. Uh, go. Yeah. All right, I'm going. Okay, sorry. <laughs> She's gonna actually give Rill a shove, then kind of turn and, like, pound a hand against her fist and sort of start looking around as more and more of them start pouring out of the castle entrances and she's gonna kind of think to herself yeah she's gotten out of worse situations but this one seems to be turning into one of those even worse situations i'd say you actually get a token for that because there's the authorities whenever someone takes on someone more powerful than them they gain a token and these reindeers have guns i like that it's a good idea yeah you said the drawbridge mechanism is on the other side yes okay yeah, I guess real scampers across the drawbridge. They're looking back. They see these reindeers, you know, smacking the batons against their hooves and flicking on the tasers. And they're just like, oh my god, this is... What the fuck? I can't do anything. What am I supposed to do? What Am I going to throw a crack at them? I can't... I mean, that wouldn't even do anything. Then my feet would be cold. And then I'd probably get, uh, I don't know, frostbite and die possibly maybe that wouldn't be so bad and they're just like narrating this in their head as they get to the other side of the drawbridge they start cranking the mechanism so the drawbridge goes up and they just call out the hope there's like uh i mean how much am i supposed to crank this up because like at one point you have to find a way to get across right hope uh i don't really know what to do here it's fine just that's when hope gets clocked in the side by one of the batons. Oh, God. She's sort of managing to hold her own. The fortunate part about this is that she's used to fighting in crowds, um, and the ones with the rifles don't necessarily want to hit their own guys, so they mostly just seem to be there for show, or in case they get tired of roughing Hope up. But it's very clear and very obvious that she is more than outnumbered, even as good as she is. Yeah, I think Rail sees this, and they 
they're stuck in this moment where they're like, they start cranking it to continue pulling the drawbridge up, but then they push it back to lower it. But then, but then they kind of go back and forth for a second, and then their hand is just completely still, and they just don't know what to do because there's they don't know what to do here they don't know how they could help they don't know they don't want to run away and leave hope alone and now they're kind of thrown back to a moment from a few days ago where this ghost of kind of their ex was trying to take them away and probably suck their soul out and also zen and linda were trying to save real and these two sides were kind of fighting over them and real didn't it's not that they didn't care it's that they didn't know what to do and honestly they would have been fine just standing there and letting the two sides kind of pull them apart if that ended up being the case luckily it was not zen picked them up and ran them away but zen's not here linda's not here hope's on the other side of this drawbridge getting the shit kicked out of her by reindeers with guns and i think they're just very overwhelmed in this moment Hope kind of glances back and, and sees that the drawbridge seems to be at a even just something of an angle. But even then, seeing that it's kind of stopped, she realizes that if she stays here, something bad is going to happen. So she sort of takes the opportunity to shove away one of the reindeer that's attacking her and and make a, a break for it. But the unfortunate curse of being stuck in a completely human body means that she is, once again, limited by more completely human features. She's not as fast or as strong, and she doesn't, you know, kind of have all that magical prowess that she used to have. So she, she shoves it away, but one of the reindeers fires off the taser and it catches her in the back and just the shock just knocks her flat to the ground. She kind of cries out as she tries to summon up the strength to reach around and yank the stuff out of her leg and see if she can get there. Real sees this. Real's hand twitches to kind of reach out to what in some vain attempt to help Hope. It's more of an automatic gesture than anything. Yeah, they they feel this urging to go help Hope, but once again, they're like, they're powerless. They can't they can't do anything to help Hope in this moment. They're in fucking board shorts and a, and a short sleeve hoodie and, and Crocs. But then I think at that moment, there's this vague phantom presence that materializes behind them. And out of surprise, Rill sort of whirls around to look at this figure, which doesn't even have necessarily a concrete form. It's more of just like some kind of specter with piercing green eyes just looking at Rill and they can hear this echoey voice kind of resonating in their mind. Aren't you tired of running away or are you going to keep running until you just leave everyone and everything you care about behind? And Rill's just like, what the fuck? Like, I don't need an existential crisis right now. There are reindeer with guns beating up my friend. And this figure seems almost amused by this. It's not like Rill said this. It's more of like a sentiment. Because right now they have like their words stuck in their throat. And they're just like, I don't. What the fuck? This specter is just like, it's It's going to keep happening as long as you keep running. You're going to keep being in situations where you feel powerless and you feel helpless. As long as you keep running, you're going to keep being in this position. And Rill kind of feels this like surge of frustration because they like know it's true they're just like okay so what the fuck do i do the specter almost seems to draw back like it's pulling like knocking an arrow and pulling a bow and it just 
simply says, you fight. And as those words resonate in Rill's head, this specter, like, releases this bow, this arrow, but instead of just, like, a part of its smoke-like visage breaking away to, like, kind of pierce through the air, it's almost like their entire essence or being actually gets fired off with the arrow, and it fucking smacks Rill right in the chest and kind of envelops them in this weird gray-black smoke that maybe not even other people can see. Maybe it's just them. And for a moment, I think they're... That sort of, like, mounting frustration that they felt in that moment just, like, builds and builds until it engulfs them, much like these smoky flames. And as the words of this visage echo in their head, it's just, like, you fight. I think Rill finds a brief moment of confidence or something. Maybe it's not confidence. It's something. I had some weird mix of just, like, anger and frustration and desperation and they turn around and they fucking just I think they run up the drawbridge and kind of like as they do so each step you see the smoke and flames kind of like solidify into a dark gray black leather armor and the final piece that solidifies that manifests is this mask that covers the top half of their face and it's like owl feathers black and white owl feathers that kind of alternate and as they kind of reach the pinnacle of that jump they hold out their hand like a gun but what manifests in it is like a hand bow and they fire off a shot like a like a black flaming arrow at one of the reindeer they're not really aiming i think they're just fucking firing off and just being like okay i'm doing this let's fucking go but yeah that's good i like that yeah that's all good shit (laughs) i guess the arrow catches the assembled forces yeah i'd say it kind of lands maybe on one of the groups in the back and just kind of like explodes or lights some of them on fire and they kind of have to scatter and real probably lands roughly onto the ground just like rolls and because they're not the most dexterous it's a bit of a universe where they have some superpowers here but (laughs) it's still real and they're still just humans and so they roll very roughly and they get up on their they kind of prop themselves up on their hands and knees and they're just like uh hope yeah yeah um i'm coming Kay's no longer affecting her um she sort of pushes herself up and staggers up to her feet and then sort of looks back at the fact that now all the assembled enemies that besieging her have kind of been knocked for their own loop but she's not one to look a gift reindeer in the mouth (laughs) so she's gonna get up and book it as much as she can her steps definitely seem a little uncertain but she's moving yeah i think real would grab hope's hand and they would just start like making it for the drawbridge again but underneath the drawbridge is like roaring icy fucking rapids that just look dangerous as hell maybe there's like shards of like ice and icebergs and stuff sticking out and it looks dangerous as hell it looks very dangerous yeah i think in real's mind they're like okay we can try to run up this drawbridge again but my legs hurt and that was just running off like a moment of pure adrenaline that i am quickly running out of so i think they look at hope as they're running and they're like really sorry if i kill you and us well mostly you i don't really care you know whatever let's just jump and they just pull hope into these roaring rapids as they land roughly into them and it's just like cold as fuck as they quickly are washed away by these rapids and these reindeer are looking at them just like they're narrowing their eyes (laughs) 
We'll get you next time. Yeah, exactly. I want to say they get carried away for a few more moments. It's like suffocating. The rapids are pounding against their poor, fragile human bodies. Cold as hell. Yeah. Oh, God, it's so cold. They both have to experience this for a few more moments, but eventually they're just spit up out of these rapids, and they land on, like, hard, dry floor. And when they look up and look around, it's just a completely different environment. Hey gang, thanks for listening to the Attorney Archives. Just taking a quick break here to let you all know about our Kofi page. If you sub at a $3 tier or higher, you get a limited edition sticker. And goodies such as a shout out, access to our Discord, and behind the scenes notes. I also want to take time to shout out one of our podcast siblings' new project, Roar to Heaven. Roar to Heaven is a high-octane, fast-paced actual play of Blazing Him, inspired by Symphogear and Evangelion, and loaded with anime intensity. Roar to Heaven is now funding on Kickstarter and on itch.io for a season set to air in 2022. Look them up on Twitter, at Roar to Heaven. Thanks again, and enjoy the rest of the episode! Need a new gay found family podcast? We're a queer-led actual D&D play... G- nope. <laughs> <laughs> We're a queer-led actual play D&D podcast of four best friends who are currently playing... Hold on. We're a bunch of queers playing D&D for a podcast. We're lifelong friends. We have space travel, magic technology, heist, horses, and a really gooey goblin. I'm stealing all of your stuff. I'm just going to say this entire ad. <laughs> <laughs> we have great bonus content with the first episode of each arc available for free <laughs> in the entirety of the first arc the bone rattlers uh, yeah each arc <laughs> is set in a excuse me each art is set in an in-universe history podcast about each planet in the planetary system. There's more than one. We have a bunch of episodes available for binging and wonderful characters to fall in love with and hate, <laughs> including some jank horses. <laughs> we have multiple arcs out that follow the story of... Val, a trite... <laughs> Ten... Val the Triton, an interplanetary criminal and MLG gamer. Uh, horse rider extraordinaire. Xerxes, a murderous demon that likes to wear dad hats. And sometimes uh, rides a night horse. horse. Patches, a part-time old lady, full-time ooey-gooey cyborg goblin, and her trusty rusty steed, Horus. And Adam, the small boy technomancer, and their journey as they grow and discover uh, the truth to their pasts. I was going to be mad because I didn't do a character voice, and then I was like, no, <laughs> I did. Magic, Magic dagger. dagger. If, if the, the true treasure, treasure isn't friendship, friendship I'm, I'm going to be mad. mad. I'm going to be mad. If treasure true, friendship bad? <laughs> They're spit up into some kind of corridor, and the entire area around them is buzzing with footsteps and talking and faint music playing over the speakers. You'd think they would have gotten spit out into some snowy woods or plains or something, but the walls are completely different. They're just regular walls now. There's no ice. There's no reindeer people. I think as they get up and they kind of were like, what happened? Like their clothes are 
back to what they were wearing, or at least Rails is. I think Hopes are what they were already. But neither of them are, like, dripping in ice water or anything like that. And it's not like that stuff didn't happen. Like, they definitely still remember it. And they might even still feel, like, the chill in their bones. And I'm sure Hope still is beating the fuck up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But as they kind of, like, step around the corner, I think Rails hand is still like holding on to hopes because they're just like so on edge they actually see before them a gigantic mall with like dozens hundreds maybe even thousands of people just milling about this huge place some people are hurriedly going from one place to another others are just lounging about with their friends or family and and some are even just standing there like staring at phones in their hands like looking thoughtful or puzzled the only similar thing to the previous castle is that the mall is still adorned with garlands and stringed up lights and red and green accents they're displays of snowmen and reindeer i think real even freezes up and it's just like oh god like we need to run but like they're just displays they don't even move they're just some kind of decoration and they're like the versions where it's like the white frame surrounded by the lights yeah yeah and i think there's like mannequins wearing like thick sweaters but weirdly enough no one else is None of the other mall goers are wearing similar outfits, kind of similar to us as we landed. Like I mentioned, Rill is in shorts and short sleeves. What is Hope wearing? Hope is wearing a graphic tee, but it's been like bunched up and knotted right under her her chest. So she's got an exposed midriff. Mm -hmm. And then aside from that, she's wearing a little shield necklace. As far as like waist and feet go, she's got she's wearing kind of like some tight fitting jeans on, and then just some regular running shoes underneath that. But she still has, as honestly as Rill has rarely seen her without, she's still wearing her very characteristic red. In this case, fingerless gloves. Normally, they're kind of a little bit more combat oriented, like padded, although still fingerless for dexterity. But these just look more like decorative rather than than functional. Mm-hmm. I think Rill takes a few moments to catch their breath because they're definitely still out of breath, and they look at Hope, who looks like she got the shit kicked out of her hopes leaning against the wall getting her bearings and everything else yeah i kind of don't know what to say because i feel like i just went insane and hallucinated all of that but you look like you got i think you have like a hoof print on the side of your neck there she's gonna reach up and kind of poke at the bruise and wince (laughs) she gingerly presses it yeah real winces with her and they're just like yeah so are you okay or should we like i uh i think i i will be um, Should we go to, like, a drugstore? I think I saw a drugstore, like, down the hallway. I might appreciate that. Yeah. Either way, whatever you did, it worked. So I don't know what I... I'm pretty sure that was a hallucination. I started hearing some, like, ghost or something. They weren't really talking shit. They just kind of sounded like my mom, who's like... I'm not mad at you. I'm just disappointed. And I don't know. I was just like, you know what? So am I. I'm not mad. Well, actually, I am mad at me. But I'm also dis... Sorry, I'm rambling. Um, Okay, so, you know, let's just go to that drugstore, and I guess we'll figure it out as we go along. That seems like a good idea. Yeah. And Hope's gonna glance back at the hallway behind them as she's looking that it seems normal, but it stretches weirdly and as she listens she can hear a couple of strange whispers and things and she kind of files that down for later she doesn't quite want to go back to where they were because it was cold and wet and painful but you know just in case yeah i'm sure we have to get back in there somehow to do something but 
I feel like repressing that for now. Let's just go get you some ice packs or something. This mall looks pretty fancy. I imagine there's like banners strung up, maybe even like floating TV screens and Definitely. announcements for different kinds of sales and stuff like that. A lot of those decorations have had that little fake white snow like spray painted on. Yeah, yeah. And then there's some music playing over, of course. Yeah. But not good Christmas music, because if it was good Christmas music, it would be the Charlie Brown Christmas soundtrack. Oh my gosh. But this is not that. It's not that. It's just very vague, generic Christmas music. Generic Christmas music. There's a couple of sleigh bells, and Michael Buble is probably singing something. Michael Buble's... (laughs) Hope looks around and asks if this is some kind of like a, a commerce center because she's never been to a, a shopping mall proper, of course, but she's been to places like it. For her, this looks like some kind of an indoor market or, you know, she's been to a couple of the more technologically advanced worlds and they certainly have something like this, but not exactly like this. Yeah, it's a mall. I mean, it's like what you said. It's like an indoor marketplace. Usually it's you get clothes or gifts, presents or something. I mean, I don't know what holiday they're celebrating year but it at least where i'm from winter holidays i guess usually you get together with your family or friends or whatever and you give each other gifts so Mm. it seems like that's what's going on here but it's kind of weird because i guess the decorations feel cold but no one else does does that make sense Uh, no i i understand okay Yes, looking around, Hope sees that a lot of people are in similar garb to hers, maybe a little bit more regularly or or even slightly more modestly dressed, but, you know, everyone's in shorts or or short sleeves or pants and just a a regular short sleeve button-up. Her brain's currently trying to catch up with the fact that they went from freezing frigid cold to regular temperature and nobody seems dressed for the occasion. The air conditioner is definitely blasting in this mall, I think. (laughs) That makes sense. Will can guide them both down the mall hallways, but I actually think it takes them a little bit to get there because they keep getting lost because this mall's hallways just kind of seem to go on and on and there's you know, stores upon stores upon stores lining them. They have to not only stop and check a map a couple of times, but I think maybe they even have to like ask a passing security guard who is wearing a little reindeer hat and doesn't look too pleased about it for directions. Real narrows their eyes as they leave the security guards like, I don't trust that. I don't trust that guy one bit. Generally, you don't want to. <laughs> they find themselves outside of an in-mall drugstore. Hope kind of starts looking around for the obvious bandages and picking up ointment and stuff. Probably with Rail's help, because I don't think she'd recognize any of the drug names. But fortunately, everything's all bunched together. Yeah, I don't know if they have ice packs, like ready ice packs in drugstores. So Rail's going to buy some overpriced pints of ice cream. <laughs> And to use as ice packs for Hope's bruises and stuff. <laughs> as Hope's busy fixing herself up, something, as Rill can tell, something she has done many, many, many times before. She's going to kind of look at Rill and go, So, uh, what, uh, what was that back there? It was a bunch of reindeer with guns. No, 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 no. And With you. Yeah? Me? Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, like I said, I don't really know. It was, it seems almost like a hallucination. Like, it was like a ghost. I don't know. Trying to tell me to stop being a little bitch i guess i mean you told me to go on without you but what would have happened if i'd left she's just gonna kind of swallow and look away location being that she doesn't necessarily want to think about that yeah i kind of i'm used to handling those sorts of things myself but i i may have bitten off a little bit more than i could chew with that yeah i think reindeer steak is pretty tough and i'm not quite in my normal body it seems Yeah, I think, uh, you know, kind of how you're used to handling things on your own. I'm used to other people handling things for me, or I just let it happen. And uh, more and more, I'm 
I'm finding that I, I can't do that anymore. I'm finding that I'm being placed in situations where I need to do something. And it's just kind of weird to think about, I guess. I'm, I, I don't think I'm really ready for it. You never know if you are. There is no indication light. There is no obvious sign. There is no magic way to tell if you're ready. It's just you're ready when you take that first step. Yeah. Many, many years ago, back when I was younger and, and on my original plane, I was under somebody else's thumb for so long that I didn't really know who I was or what my own life was like. And I don't think I was ready whenever I changed all that. Yeah. But you never really know if you are. You just kind of have to trust in that, you know? Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, it's a lot. I don't really want to think about it anymore, but that's cool. I got some ice cream for your bruises. Not to, like, put on your bruises, but, you know, use it as, like, an ice pack. Do you like ice cream? Yeah, I got, uh, this one's got, like, cheesecake chunks mixed in. This one's... It's it's fine. Okay, cool. Thanks. Yeah. And she's going to give a little, a little smile. And then from outside, they hear sort of a burst of activity and what sounds like a jolly old man going ho 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 but stepping out to the outside of the store they see that they're not too far from what looks like some kind of a essential like a big intersection where a lot of the hallways are coming kind of like you know poking out from that like spokes and a wheel sort of set up in the center is this elaborate obviously kind of constructed throne room there's a dais with a couple of levels on it and then sitting atop at the very tip top you know probably really only about you know 10 feet above everything else, not unsafe distances, but is an elaborate-looking, obviously Christmas-festooned throne, and standing in front of it, gesturing to the large crowd that it gathered, which seems enraptured, standing in front of the throne is the man from the journal, from the diary, who is absolutely having a ball of a time talking to the crowd and stoking them up. But Hope actually doesn't fixate on that. Hope instead fixates on the smaller figure next to him, a smaller child, a young girl, it looks like, dressed in a, a ice blue, sort of, you know, kind of a fancy younger dress. Um, and Hope kind of notices that because contrary to the man who is gesturing wildly and very obviously having a ball, this girl looks absolutely out of it. She does not want to be there. She is not having a great time. She is not up with the Christmas and holiday spirit. I can kind of relate to that. My parents used to drag me around all kinds of holiday shit, and I just fucking hated it. Do you think that's kind of what's going on here? Real just sort of like mumbles to Hope with their arms full of pints of ice cream. It might be. At the same time, I... She starts looking around the crowd. See if you can find other kids. See if anyone else is feeling the same way. Anyone else. Yeah, Rill would scan the crowd. And there's like a sea of people. It is like crazy. And of course, spaced between these crowds, there's different security guards with the reindeer antlers on, looking very stern. If anything, there's like a weird amount. Like there are so many of these security guards. And... Real scans the crowd, but like everyone just seems enamored. Some people seem kind of like mildly interested, not necessarily as enthralled as their neighbors, maybe, but no one looks like annoyed or pissed off. Like everyone is at least interested in this guy. Like all eyes are on him. You hear whispers of like, Oh, it's it's the Winter King. It's the Winter King and his and the princess. I think Real just is like, what the fuck? And like whispers back to Hope. Um all these people seem to really care about their winter festivities, which is really weird to me. Like, 
This is cult-like behavior. Yeah, especially because no one seems to be dressed for winter time. Yeah. As they're watching, the Winter King is just looking out, and then he finally starts to give a speech. He starts off by addressing his loyal subjects, the residents of his Winter Wonderland Eternal, and he starts going down the list of talking about true meaning of Christmas and everyone's here for the holidays and he's so glad that all of his friends are here and that there's so much planned and it kind of goes on and on and on. But as they're watching, Princess just seems utterly put off by all this. And several times she looks up at the Winter King and just kind of like shakes her head. She's not buying this. She's not buying this at all. And Hope just kind of looks over at Will and goes, I think we need to talk to her. She seems like the only person who's not having a good time. I feel like maybe we should call Child Protective Services, too. That's... that's Maybe later? Okay. What are those? Oh, it's like when families aren't treating their children good, you can call, like, a government agency. But sometimes, honestly, a lot of the times the agencies aren't that helpful either. So you know what? Good call. We should handle this. Yeah, let's wait for the king to finish his speech, and and maybe we can manage to talk to her at some point. Yeah, sure. Eventually, the Winter King kind of finishes his public-facing spiel. He steps down and starts basically heading off. The girls start heading alongside with but Then the girl ends up being stopped for, like, autographs and pictures and stuff, which she just is hating every single bit of. She's not too inclined to do it, but she seems to do it anyway, especially with the Winter King standing there and smiling and talking to people as they're lining up for pictures. And Hope sees that particular opportunity, so she's going to go ahead and sort of push herself up with a grunt and flex her fingers and her arms and legs and make sure everything's still working. She goes, I think we should get a nice picture with the princess. Okay. Yeah, I mean, if you want, like, a souvenir or something, I, I get that, yeah. Is that... Oh, no, to, like, talk... Okay, right, to talk with her. Yeah. Yes. Good idea team um somehow you hear like dumpling sighing just like a little bit (laughs) actually i have a better idea okay i think one of us may need to distract the king and the other one can talk to the princess so why don't you go talk to the princess and then i'll go ahead and make sure that the king's attention is uh occupied for the time Uh, being you want me that's okay um yeah yeah sure okay do you want to distract the king no i I don't really want to do either, but yeah, no, you, I, I'll talk to the princess. Actually, that, that makes Hope kind of sit there and stop, and she goes, actually, you're right. I'm sorry. Will, what's your idea? Uh, um, fuck. I, I don't know. Um, why, why are you doing this to me? I'm, I'm, I'm not. I just, I didn't want to push you into something you didn't really want to do if you had something, if you had some other idea, but... I was just looking at Hope, like... Like, so tired. <laughs> no, I think you had a good idea. I can talk to the princess, and you can distract the king. He seems very overwhelming, and I might just cry if I get within 10 feet of him. So I think maybe me hanging out and squeezing information out of the child is more my speed. Hey, you didn't... Did you have to say it like that? That's not... No. Did you have to say it like that? No. I... Words just come out of my mouth because I have no filter. I'm sorry. It's it's fine. It was just a very odd choice of... You know what? Let's just... Let's just get going. Yeah. Let's just forget that happened, please. Yeah, sure. No problem. Yeah, so... What's Hope's plan for this? Hope is just going to go up and talk to the king in conversation and, if necessary, maybe knock something over. But otherwise, she's pretty confident that she can keep the Winter King's attention while you talk to the princess. 
Yeah. Well, I, we'll talk to the princess. Wave at the princess to see if they could catch her attention. And if she waves back, then they would kind of slink over and be like, uh, hey. Uh. Hey. Can I, can I just be honest with you? You know, I mean, I guess that's kind of weird, but you don't really seem like you're enjoying any of this. She sort of blinks at that, and she she looks up at Will and she goes, "You can tell." Uh, I mean, yeah, I I think I've been in like similar situations before where my parents are doing some dumb sh- uh, stuff with the holidays, and I they drag me along, and I'm just not into it. I don't even know why it's still the holidays. It's April. Christmas was like five months ago. I don't know what any of those words mean. So this is like out of season? I'm from out of town. I don't know what a Christmas or an April is. This is not normal behavior. No. Okay. No. No, it's just... Dad brings me here every day. And she looks over at the Winter King. Dad brings me here every day to do this princess act, but I'm tired of it. I don't want to do this. Yeah, no, that doesn't... I mean... I would ask if, have you talked to your dad about this? But I'm going to assume he just doesn't listen to, to that, huh? No, none of the adults listen. Nobody listens around here. Uh, is that just because the adults are being negligent? Or is there maybe some kind of other influence that could be causing this, question mark? I don't, I don't know. Okay. I mean, dad used to be different, you know? No, I don't know him. We would come home and, and, and make dinner and we'd watch stuff or play together, but now, now he's just, he's always here. And he always cares about this place. You know, he, and, I don't know, he didn't used to be like this. Um, and as, as you're, you're hearing that and as Will is having that thought about something else maybe kind of guiding some of this, the current Christmas song fades out and a new one starts and like, you know how people clap whenever an airplane lands and it's really weird? <laughs> Yeah. It's that. <laughs> Wait, everyone do everyone kind of everyone kind of looks up at the air and they start cheering and clapping and every and, and you hear like like almost a ripple through the crowd of people going, "Wow, my favorite song." The song sucks. You hear some of them go, "Oh, this makes me think of this makes me think of back when I was at home. I got to I got to get a souvenir for mom and dad." And like people just start like almost going crazy with going into stores and trying to find something or just like dancing in the the mall aisles like it whatever it is it seems to have stirred people up the princess just kind of sighs and goes you know you know back when dad just sold stuff in the the christmas store in the mall it was it was fine you know i got to be the princess there sometimes but then i don't know it he came home looking really sad one day but then i don't know then the next day it was fine he said he he said he found something that can that can help us and it was really great at first. Like, he kept buying me all these toys, and we got to eat all this really good food, and we got to go all these places, and I got all the movies that I wanted to watch. But then he just kept coming here. Now he's obsessed with this. Mm. I don't know if 10-year-olds know the word obsessed, but... Um, <laughs> She's very intelligent. Sorry, child psychologist <laughs> listeners to the Eternity Archives. Child development specialists. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, no, that sucks. It super sucks when parents or adults care more about themselves than their kids so you know what let me see if i can talk to your dad and kind of snap him out of it How, how's that sound sure 
I, I mean, if, if, really? If you can, please? Yeah, I'm gonna give it my best shot, you know? Thank you. She's gonna move up to Rill and, and give a little hug around the waist. Oh, that's cute. Rill's just uncomfortable, just pats her, uh, just pats the little girl on the head, just like, yep, cool. All right. And just like slowly steps back and pulls her away. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Extricate the child. <laughs> I'm hoping I can get this fixed for you, kid. She seems to have been distracted by other people who want pictures and stuff, so she's off doing stuff. Yeah, I think Brill would kind of glance back at Hope. What is Hope doing? Hope is currently busy actually doing, like, a little ballroom dance with the Winter King, who, whenever the music sprung up, has started to just do that she looks distinctly uncomfortable but she's managing to keep pace well enough i think real is tempted to just walk off and like hide until hope can peel away and find them but i think real just sort of stands there and teeters back and forth and is just like oh fuck it and just like runs up grabs like hope's hand and is just like oh my gosh Celine, i was looking for you everywhere come on there's like a big sail down the hall <laughs> And just grabs Hope's hand and just like books it, just like pulls her away. <laughs> <laughs> and Hope is all too eager for this distraction. She's just gonna be like, "Oh, okay, sorry, we gotta go. We gotta go to the to the sale. The sale. Okay. <laughs> bye. It's Mr. a fire Winter sale. Goodbye, Mister Winter King. Um, bye. And then just just runs off." Which doesn't look too suspicious, given that everyone else is also kind of running around. Yeah. So as soon as they're a decent distance away, and they can kind of, like, lean against one of the no, little no. in-between Rail sections. is on their the hands and knees. They're just, like, gasping for air. You don't know if it was the physical exertion or if it was the social exertion. But they're just like... <sighs> you, uh... Are, are you okay there, Bill? You, you all right? Hope's gonna kind of, like, pat them on the back a couple times. Now mm, I'll just give you a few moments. <laughs> okay, um, they, I mean, did you find out, uh, any, any, uh, you know, information? I mean, um, I mean, a, a little. I found out that this has apparently just been, it's kind of hard to figure out what he actually means in between all of the whatever Christmas is themed bluster, but he was pretty intent on making sure that this was like one of the happiest places to be and that Christmas would last all the time and that everyone could come here and let their worries fade away and buy something for their their loved ones and he seemed really focused on making sure people would buy things for their loved ones Mm. yeah so I talked to his daughter I'm guessing she's not really into it uh apparently he used to work at a, a christmas store i don't i guess that's the name of this holiday and just all of a sudden it was christmas all the time and apparently it's out of season because it's something called an april right now i don't know what that is christmas i guess is not supposed to last this long he's definitely doing something here to influence people did you notice when people started clapping that was weird right because that song sucked yeah, that was that was very weird, and I don't know what that was about. Yeah, I, I don't know either. But I mean, Rill pulls out their journal and it ceases the Winter King's carols. Mm-hmm. Just kind of gestures at that line and shrugs and is like, "I guess it's something to do with this, right?" Uh, if I had to guess, then yes, very yes. Yeah. That seems that seems about right. I guess, huh? 
You notice how the security guards wore antlers and stuff? Kind of like the reindeer dudes we saw in that other place. Do you think that yeah. was like another world? Like a like a mirror verse or something? Or Well, I mean, and, and with how this place is set up and the whole Winter King thing, I mean, that's the man from the portraits, right? And the statues? Yeah. I guess it was like a castle, too. And it was, yeah, like, huh. Do you think there's, like, because we can't, we can't just come out and, like, beat up this guy out uh, in, like, no, daylight. Yeah. yeah. No, that, I mean, I guess it's got something to do with that other place then. We just have to figure out how to get back there then. Maybe we can manage to sneak around better this time and, and start looking for things. Yeah. Oh, God. Are you going to be okay in there? She gives a, a pretty confident nod and just goes, I'll be fine. Well, it's not the first time I've gotten beat like that. I'll be okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. Should we eat this ice cream, though, before it melts? I wonder if we can take it with us. You know what? Let's just take a few minutes before we head back in, assuming we can even find our way back. Yeah. So they gather their bearings, and then I guess they would just go kind of wander the mall and try to find that one hallway again. But the more they walk around, it's like every part of this mall is just completely different. This mall is gigantic. It might even be like the size of a small town which is insane to think about. And everywhere is just more quote-unquote Christmas, whatever the fuck that is, decorations. I actually think with the longer they're out in the mall, they catch the attention of the guards as well. Because Rill was like pretty obviously talking to the, the princess. And then they like didn't make a huge scene where it was like the Winter King like noticed, but they made enough of a scene where some security guards which were already on high alert saw them and are kind of like hey that was a little weird so i think the more they walk around the mall if they kind of glance around they sort of see more of these antlered security guards you know talking in their walkie talkies murmuring around them yeah i think real is just like sweating profusely just like hey hope is it just me being crazy or do you like see these dudes like are they watching us or yes i think it would be best if we manage to find where we're going and find it quickly yeah yeah no for sure uh yeah let's try to shake them off our tail i guess real would hear these eldritch whispers and just be like you know this is haunted shit but between haunted shit and reindeers with guns i'm gonna go with the haunted shit so they would keep winding throughout the mall in their urgency. They might kind of grab onto Hope's uh, hand again just to pull her along and just be like, okay, I have no idea where the fuck I'm going. Uh, I'm sorry because I keep leading you into weird shit and now I'm following distinct murmurs and whispers and I don't know what they're saying, but... It's, it's fine. Is it? I, I think so. Okay. I mean, look, as you noted, it's either some kind of creepy whispers or a bunch of reindeers with guns, so... Yeah. Go for the less gun-related threat. Yeah, guns suck. All right. Guns suck. And as they hurry their pace, the security guards that are near them kind of, like, pull up their walkies and also murmur in them and seem more alert and even quicken their pace as well. And just, like, as both groups quicken their pace... Rail is basically sprinting for them <laughs> down a darker alleyway in a, a corridor, I guess, of a mall. And they make a sharp left turn 
into a janky-looking arcade where a bunch of the machines don't even look like they work. The sign out front is, like, half-lit where it says, like, ARC. Like, the rest of the sign isn't legible because it's dimly lit. And the whispers here reach a cacophony, and Rill continues tugging Hope along. Hope's looking for something, too, because she heard these last time, and she's she's looking for... It's got to be somewhere around here. Yeah. Rill glances back and sees the security guards, like, their shadows passing through the threshold, indicating they're pretty freaking close by, and they just keep walking to the back of the arcade just looking for something that they could possibly jump into. In their hurried desperation, they just yank Hope into an out-of-order bathroom, hoping maybe like, oh yeah, this bathroom's out of order. No one would go here, (laughs) haha. So once they step into this out-of-order bathroom, instead of there being a bathroom there, they step into a familiar scene of completely ice walls, you know, intricate etched designs like brick designs into the ice and these garlands with pine cones and once again they are cold as fuck but probably especially hope yeah (laughs) real is in that armor kind of different outfit they had like the dark gray leather armor with the mask and they also have like a big flowy dark scarf so they're a little bit more warm than hope and real's just like hmm do you think you should wait outside, maybe? I just, if it's, like, dangerous for you? I am, at this point, I'm not even sure where outside is. You know, I can hold my own against a few of them. It's when they start getting more and more that it seems to be a problem. Uh, yeah, yeah. I guess we should stick together. Let's get going, then. Yeah. Before I freeze to death. Yeah, that would be preferable if you did not. I'll do my very best. Do you want my scarf? I think this is just because... I'm honestly a nerd, and I think scarves are cool and flowy, and this is probably some kind of manifestation of my subconscious. I don't think it actually does anything, but it might help if you want it. I'll take it. Yeah, I'll, here you go. They unwind it from their she, neck and hand it to Hope. She takes it and puts it on her, around her own neck. Yeah, cool. Uh, looks good, I guess. Yeah, let's go. Let's go. So Hope's going to go ahead and move back to her place that she likes to be, which is, you know, sort of in the lead, making sure Rilla's behind them. She takes them out of where they are, which is often to a side room. The only problem here is that they just don't have any maps, but Hope's kind of looking for staircases and hallways and things that lead them up. Together, they they wander through the castle for a little bit, you know, hiding from occasional guard patrols or ducking into side rooms and taking side hallways. And Hope is just thinking the whole time about how this matches up to where they just were, you know, of of the, the confusion of being able to navigate the mall, except here they don't even have a map. But she's got a good sense of direction, and she can know which direction she is heading and, and which way she's going from and using reference points. Yeah, Rill is more than happy to let Hope lead because Rill has a terrible sense of direction. <laughs> she guides them, you know, farther up and in into the depths of the castle. They do seem to be making some progress. Things kind of change, however, whenever they reach a a certain kind of a larger, more open room. This one is just lined with ice mirrors, um, you know, she- sheets of ice that are themselves especially reflective. Hope is just kind of a little confused as to how many they are, but she's going to soldier on anyway. So she takes a few steps forward and starts heading in through this. It's not literally a maze, but it kind of just seems like a straight hallway. But as they get farther down, 
the entrance seems to keep going farther and farther away. And as Hope moves in, she notices this happening and she, you know, asks, she goes, uh, Will, does this place seem like it's getting larger to you? And she turns around and Will is gone. The hallway extends infinitely in that direction and infinitely in the other direction. And she blinks for a minute and starts walking back the other way, taking a few steps, then breaking out into a run and then eventually a sprint. But the hallway never ends. And after a little bit, she has to stop and catch her breath. She's not used to that. She's not used to having to do that particular experience. But it's frustrating to her now so much that she just smacks her fist against the ice cold wall and then pulls it away because it's ice cold and that is not a super great idea but she looks back the way she came and she looks back the way forward and at this point she's not even sure which direction this was and she's not particularly sure how to get out of this situation either um, but she passes by one of the mirrors and she catches a glimpse of herself and that's when she really gets a look at how beat up she is and the kind of clothes that she's dressed in and all this stuff and it just something about it sort of sinks into her. It's, it's an unusual experience for her to be looking at herself like this. It's not unusual to be hurt and it's not unusual for her to be alone. But what gets her now is that she feels helpless and that's different for her. She's looking over the mirror. She looks back the way she came and she looks to her left and, and her right and the corridor just stretches on into infinity. And she looks at, at herself in the mirror and she just kind of whispers Will's name, hoping that Will is somewhere around here trying to find her. And she's quite frankly not even sure how long she's been in here, how long anything is happening. She has this moment where she just realizes just how helpless she is. And she sits down and leans against the wall and sort of thumps her foot against the wall. And she's looking over into a mirror on the other side and she sees her reflection. Then her reflection stands up and it gestures to her, which is not really a normal thing for reflections to do. She kind of gets up and she, she stands up and she thinks of just how unusual this is but also just how much this sucks of this 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 helplessness that she feels this being unable to do all the things that she normally does of, of like punch through dimensional walls and and get away out of any situation she thinks back on the one person that could really help her here and how helpless then even then she felt whenever you know will had to to swoop in and save her ass which is probably the first time that that's ever happened and then she thinks of how she hasn't really gotten to know any of these people and she hasn't really gotten to know any of the friends that she's made here and that that's not really particularly unusual for her given to all these places that she's been and all these people that she's seen. Being lost in, in the crowded mall felt no different than it was to being lost in the library surrounded by all these people that she knew but she didn't know. Um, and she walks up to her reflection that is now standing in front of the other mirror she looks at it and it looks at her the her in the mirror kind of smiles and she tilts her head a little bit and then the her in the mirror speaks up and it says what are you still doing here i i don't really know what else i'm supposed to do well surely this isn't the first time you've been stuck alone oh come on come on that's no way to handle a situation like this what about Eva? what about harkin what about buren what about yuffie where are they and hope just sort of looks away and looks down to the floor and then her reflection just says, you know, at some point, you're going to have to start finding other people. You've been doing this for centuries now. You've been running around, being a hero, being a symbol. When's the last time you were you? When's the last time you sat down and you didn't really run from something? When's the last time you shook someone's hand and you meant it? When's the last time you said someone's name and it wasn't just out of desperation or information? When's the last time you actually knew somebody? And Hope doesn't really know what to say to that. Their reflection just says... Well, you know, if you thought about it earlier, you might have had a chance, but right now, 
It's just you and me. And the reflection suddenly reaches out through the mirror and grabs Hope around the neck. And it just starts choking. Uh, and Hope is grasping at the figure and even smacking her fist against the mirror and smacking her fist against the, the reflection's wrist, trying to, to do something. And the hand that comes out of the mirror, once it breaks the mirror's plane, it's not Hope's arm. It's something else's or somebody else's, you know, clad in, in armor of a brilliant white uh, and covered with decorations. If Phil wants to break through or do something more symbolically fitting, now would be an excellent time. At this point, once this shadow self is trying to strangle hope and hope's fighting back it'd be really funny if in the quote-unquote actual world here in the physical presence rail is actually the one who reached out to try to help hope not put their hands around her neck but maybe take one of her hands maybe put another hand on her shoulder and try to shake her out of it and like this whole time hope is just like punching rail which i think is really funny (laughs) And Rill's just like, ow, fuck, Hope? Hope? The figure in the mirror can certainly start you know, saying Hope's name, but I think it would come out as, as kind of a sort of twisted version of it until Hope finally hears her name being called, not by her own reflection, but by Rill as she's desperately trying to break free from this, this prison. What she does instead is rather than pushing out against the glass... She instead grabs onto the figure's arm, braces her feet against the wall, and pulls, pulling the reflection out of the mirror and sending them both stumbling backward. The whole corridor, the whole the whole hallway, everything in front of Hope's vision just shatters like a mirror alongside the mirror as everything kind of breaks and Hope finds herself back again inside of the castle. Rill's standing there beside her, and, and to Rill's view, honestly, Hope kind of, like, took in a breath, and then this figure appeared. Standing in front of her, it's it's definitely Hope, but it's a different version of her. It's to Hope, it's, in fact, her much older self, clad in this sort of sci-fi-styled plate armor, um, all black. Regular Hope has blonde hair and, and red eyes. This Hope has black hair, but the same the same kind of colored eyes. But it's definitely the same the same person. And Hope stands up and looks at this person, just gives a small nod. And this other Hope gives another similar nod and looks over at Rill and then says, Take care of her for me, would you? Before sort of coalescing into a figure and, uh, and settling around Hope's, Hope's face as the mask itself forms. It's a quarter face mask rather than a opera mask or like a whole face one. It sort of covers the top left third of, of her face or her eye and down to, you know, about halfway through her cheek. Um, and it seems molded to, to fit her face perfectly. And it's got that streak of black where it manages to touch the hair. But aside from that, Hope's own outfit changes to... It resembles that armor that she used to have, but this time it's got Will's scarf incorporated directly into it. Wow, you took my um, scarf. No, I'm just kidding. It's, 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 it's a different color. Rather than, than being black, it's lighter colors. It's it's silver, and it's got red accents around it. And she can see a number of trinkets that are on it. You know, that shield necklace that she had has turned into something a little bit larger, but it's still around her neck. Emblazoned on one of the shoulder pads is is a bow and arrow. And then emblazoned on the other shoulder pad is it what looks like a, like a star knife four blades at right angles, kind of like a compass rose or something that you could mm. throw. And then she sort of pushes herself up, bounces around on her feet to try and get back together. And then she looks at Rill. Rill just has a hand on their cheek where Hope kind of accidentally smacked them, like punched them. Rill's just like, uh, are you okay? 
I, um, you seemed like you are going through I, some shit. I, I am now. Okay. Actually, hearing your voice is what kind of brought me out of it. Oh, cool. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know what kind of shit you went through, but um, me and Zen and Linda, we kind of went through something where we had to really look at ourselves recently, and it, it kind of got us all out of sorts. So uh, I guess if you want to talk about it, I'm here, and, and if not... That, that's cool too I just while Rill is talking she's just gonna pull Rill into a tight hug oh uh wow a lot of this going on today huh um Rill just very slowly returns the hug how tall is Hope again I think she's I think she's around like 5'7 ish that sounds right yeah Rill's pretty probably pretty awkward about it uh, but they're just like uh yeah no I'm I'm glad you're okay um yeah cause that that stuff can can really fuck you up so yeah let's uh let's get going for, yeah yeah for sure um cool they like pull away and start walking off towards wherever and Rill's just very quiet like you look really badass by the way thank you you don't look so bad yourself oh thanks i used to have a cool scarf but you know it looks better on you i'll make you one when we get back wait you can like knit yeah oh that's fucking sick. I bet Linda knows. Her. I think she crochets. I don't know, but you guys should do something together too. Um, Linda's always looking for new friends. Not that you guys aren't friends, but you know she's, and yeah, you know what I mean. I get you. Yeah, cool. As they keep traversing this castle, it gets a little more haunted looking. Supposedly, the deeper they get into the castle, originally the part where they first landed in and where they just landed in, it was this very grand looking architecture like huge massive ice castle very holiday spirits not even like desolate kind of winter wasteland because there were trees and like pine trees evergreen trees garlands so it's very festive looking but the deeper they get the atmosphere darkens a bit instead of christmas trees with present boxes underneath the decorations are replaced with sad slightly ripped up present boxes santa statues not the same as the winter king just some kind of santa mascots that look worn down like their bones have been broken and they're sitting there kind of ajar and at angles and there's crying just echoing throughout the hallway just soft sobbing and it sounds like a young girl's sobbing it's more like quiet soft ones not like full-on weeping or anything like that <laughs> but as they keep going in the holiday spirit lessens a bit presumably as they get closer to the heart of this of this castle or maybe they're closer to the bowels of the castle who's to say for sure but they're getting close to the king yeah so they're going through these different hallways as things just get worse and worse and worse, or, you know, spookier and spookier and spookier and hearing the crying. They stumble into the dungeon and they find not, like, this cramped place, but instead they find the princess's wonderland. And it looks like a wonderland, that it's huge. And it's got all these accoutrements. It's got 16 different tea sets and it's got a big table in the middle and it's got all these plushies and such a big, wonderful, warm bed all the toys that she could ever want, but she's still stuck in this prison and she's still unhappy about it. Standing there 
in the cell, trying to figure out, honestly, maybe even just seeming deaf to the princess's crying, is the king. And I want to say around him, his mere presence has that faint Christmas music just swirling around him. Like, the closer we get to him or anyone gets to him, the louder it gets, and it just sort of follows him around. And as soon as Rill and Hope step into this cell, this dungeon, shadows slink in closer, and out of their periphery, they see more of these reindeers with guns. Because I want to say that the king was expecting them, especially with how the security guards in the real world were chasing them down. And all of a sudden they disappeared in this arcade. I mean, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So the king speaks up and goes, you don't seem very merry, interlopers. Uh, My name's not Mary. So no, I'm, I'm not Mary. Also, it's pretty fucked up to keep your daughter question mark in the cell what's up with that why did you give these reindeers guns she has everything she needs here what more could she possibly want for i i don't know why are you asking shouldn't you be asking her that and a gilded cage is still a cage yeah what hope said i see no problem in ensuring that she is safe and secure with everything that she needs i worked hard to provide this for her did you with the help of some others, of course. And then he gives a dark chuckle as he looks over to see the piles of money that he has otherwise stashed around here as well. Well, I can't deny that I had a little bit of help. And he reaches up with his hand and he mimes turning a dial and the music, I think, just gets louder and louder to almost an ear-splitting level. Mm. God, fuck, that music sucks! Hope sort of reaches out and and extends her hands and a shield appears around both herself and Rill as the waves of the music turn from just loud to literally physical and it starts battering up against the shield. Jeez. Despite this all, you can still hear the booming voice of the king as he goes, My faithful reindeer, take care of these interlopers and ensure that they do not interfere with the princess. Along with the noise, your reindeer start firing and Hope looks like she's starting to sweat. She goes, uh, Rill, I hope you have a good idea, because I don't know how much longer I'm going to be able to hold this up. Uh, no, all my ideas are bad, but I'm just going to go for it. You know what? That's good enough. Yeah, in this moment of desperation, Rill, you know, holds out their hand like a gun, and, and the hand bow, the flame, black flaming smoky hand bow appears in their grip, and they just start firing off volleys of these black flaming arrows that just stick onto these reindeer and then in a brief moment completely sets them alight and Rill will just keep firing off these these arrows thinning the horde but they're still coming and Rill would just call out to the king because I guess in their mind they're they're actually not sure how to resolve this because they're like okay if we kill this guy in here does he die in real life because I don't want to kill someone's like a little girl's dad and I think they would just try a little bit more with reasoning with with this king so they'd yell behind hope shield while firing off bolts i mean can't you tell your daughter isn't happy why she seems the picture of perfection does she not 
and looking down at the daughter who by this point has actually stopped crying mostly because she she's so interested in, in what's going on and she sees that that Rill and Hope have entered and that they're not the same as everybody else. She sort of looks at them and she looks at Rill's bow and arrow and what they're doing and she sort of she looks Rill right in the eyes and she reaches up and she taps at her crown. Oh. You know, just because someone looks perfect, that doesn't mean they're they're happy. The king sort of gives a full-bellied, smug kind of laugh and goes, I don't necessarily need her to always be happy. I just need her to be safe. I just need to give her every little thing she wants, and someday she's going to be happiest girl in the world. What if what she wants isn't you or any of this situation? And as Rill is talking about this, they would slink off and hope that everyone's attention is still drawn on the hope and they would probably mutter the hope mumble hope just be like just keep them distracted i'm gonna i'm gonna see what i can do here to try to i guess snipe that crown off off his head and hope just kind of nods and goes okay i'll do my best she sort of blows the shield outward sort of staggering the reindeer and, and making the king flinch which can give real an opportunity to head back mm-hmm to at least, you know, hide somewhere else in the shadows. Mm -hmm. Um, And Hope calls out that you can't just keep people locked up in a cage even if you give them everything they want. They have to be free to choose their own path. You can't decide what's happiness for them. They have to figure that out for themselves. King calls back, well, why wouldn't she be happy? I've got everything that she needs. I've got everything that she wants. I can give her anything that she simply desires. All she has to do is stay here with me. Hope and the king kind of keep going back and forth about this, but it gives Rill enough time to get into whatever position that they're going for. This conversation dulls them for a bit because especially what Hope says just strikes them right right through the chest. Just choosing your own path to be happy and all this. And they're kind of, they're just stunned for a moment before they shake it off, slinking through the shadows. It's just like, yeah, I just need it. I need a, I, I can think about this later. We have a job to do. And I'd say they kind of slink through the shadows and eventually they pop up behind the king and hold the hand bow to the back of his head but like against the crown like pointed towards the crown and they would just say look we don't want to hurt anyone but you have to see that forcing people to do what you want them to do that's not gonna fix things that's not the best way that's not a good way to go about shit like you can't just make people do what you want them to do the king merely replies back, Why not? I have everything that I need. This crown gives me their power. This crown gives me their desires and their wills. After all, why don't you tell me what you want? And he turns his gaze back on Rill, and the music starts to play louder directly for Rill. Like, it's it's targeting them specifically, and there's something going on inside of Rill's head. So as the music gets louder and it starts hurting their ears with their free hand. They put one hand over their ear and they're wincing in pain. And there's something that bubbles up as the music plays, as this magic tries to compel their desires to the forefront of their mind. And their brow is furled because it's just honestly, quite honestly, all this is just pissing them off. They're just staring at the guy. They just say, I want you to stop playing that fucking shitty music. And they would fire the handbow. The flame of the arrow tip hits the crown and it immediately engulfs the entire shape of it into like a black flame before it clatters to the ground and hope rushes forward and and grabs it and this it seems would be their anomaly once hope grabs the crown the music stops 
instantly. The only thing that is left in the absence of that horrible tune is silence. And as they're watching, the castle around them starts to melt. The ice walls start to very quickly turn into water. All of the princesses' things, the toys, the the games, the furniture, it all starts to turn into water. The reindeer with guns don't necessarily start to turn into water. They melt. No, <laughs> they do sort of seem to, to vanish into the ether, just dispersing into a mist as the other world starts to crumble down around them. Rill would look down at the king, who I imagine has been crumpled to the ground, who would just look at him and just be like, I don't think you're a bad guy necessarily, but you had your head so far up your ass talking about how you're doing this for your daughter that you couldn't even fucking see she wasn't happy. So maybe now you can actually do something about that. Hope just goes, uh, Dumpling, pull us out. So they vanish back into the sea of stars and get remorphed into their current selves and then stumble out of the book drop. Hope looks down at the crown in her hand and rather than a crown, it's a CD of best Christmas carols of the 1870s. She hands it off to the hooded librarian who nods and then just walks off to whatever back room they go into. And then Hope just is, at this point, still covered in bruises. She kind of looks over at Rill and, and helps Rill stand up from the book drop landing and goes, Are you, uh, are you okay? How do you feel? No, I'm, I'm good. Um, actually, I was wondering if I could ask you a favor. Uh, yeah, sure. What is it? You've been through a lot of stuff. You've lived through a lot of things and, and you're really strong. And I was wondering if you could teach me how to, how to be strong, how to, how to fight, how to protect people. Um, Hope just smiles and looks up at Rill and goes, Yeah, I think I can manage to do that. Do you want to go get something to, to eat? Yeah, I, I never really had any of that chicken. We could, we could try that chicken thing you're talking about. Yeah, let's, um, let's go do that. Yeah, Dumpling hops off wherever the anchor sit and jumps onto Hope's shoulders and is giving her a congratulatory pat on the shoulders like, Good job, kiddo. <laughs> Hope just kind of winces and goes, uh, Dumpling, careful. Careful where you press. Aw. And then they would lick her wounds. <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah. Woo, we did it! <laughs> yeah, everyone, thank you so much for listening. There are definitely a couple parts where we forgot to be like, yeah, we earned a token for that. I'd say we earned quite a few tokens and then we just forgot to say what we were doing. That's our bad. I also had this issue in Henshin. But yeah, thank you, listeners. Thank you, Ember, for playing this with me. Thank you for having yeah. me, as always. Yeah, thank you. And thank you, Eleanor Murphy, for writing this really cool game. I had a blast. And we hope you had a blast listening to this. Everyone have a great holiday and a happy new year. And we'll see you next time. Have a happy holiday season, everybody. Yeah, bye. Bye. The Eternity Archives is hosted, produced, and edited by Dorka, Bappy, and Ziva. Find us on Twitter at, at TheArchivesPod or online at TheEternityArchives.com. Our intro music is Paint the Sky by Hans Adam, and sound effects are obtained from ZapsFlat.com. Check out our show notes for more information and some helpful resources. Editing assistance for this episode was provided by Nikki from Beholder to No One. Consider supporting us by telling your friends about us, or leave us a tip at our Ko-fi page, ko-fi.com slash theeternityarchives. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. 
Be gay. Roll dice. An LGBTQIA actual play podcast network.